0: Welcome back to the Everything Must Go podcast. I am Stephen, and with me as always is Brandon, and for the first time in the Everything Must Go podcast history, we are doing an episode that is all about advice. Now, I do want to say one thing, which is, we're not telling you that we are giving out the world's best advice that you've ever heard in your entire life.
1: We are insisting that that's exactly what we're doing, and that you should listen to every single thing that we say if you want to be successful. Exactly. Exactly.
0: Just want to make sure we got that out of the way. (laughs) Anything else you want to add?
1: (laughs) No, I'm just – I cannot stress enough how we are experts on every single thing that we are about to talk about today. And uh, if you don't listen to us, you're pretty much doomed. Pretty much.
0: (laughs) Pretty much. Couldn't have said it better myself. But in actuality, the way this episode is going to work is – We have all week been telling you guys to write in some questions that you want advice on or just give us your thoughts on something and we're trying to offer another perspective on it. So that's how this is going to work. We're going to answer those questions and we're also going to, well, we are live on Twitch and Instagram. So anyone who writes in things they want advice on live, we will also be answering those as well. So, if you are in the live chat, we encourage you to ask us anything advice wise because we will be talking about it. And that's how this is going to work.
1: Before we get into the advice questions, I told you before we started this podcast episode that you were going to love my new shirt. What do you think?
0: Uh, it's kind of hard to get a great view of it, but it is a Star Wars shirt. I do see that. There's a the Millennium Falcon. <laughs> you love to see the Millennium Falcon. I love to see it, baby. <laughs> Love to see it. Hell yeah. Well, that being the case, uh, let's start with kind of a... Well, actually, let's start with a couple of the ones we got in the live stream.
1: Yeah, we already got a couple here.
0: We already got a couple couple on this one. All right, so uh, first one, I believe, was the YouTube advice. So I guess I'll lead with this one since I've had a YouTube channel for a while. Uh, My advice on YouTube is... Number one advice is stay consistent because if you if you started a YouTube channel, it's obvious that you like the idea of making videos that other people watch. So you've pretty much already gotten over like the first thing that I would ask you. And pretty much what you want is you want people to watch your videos because I don't think people just make videos on a YouTube channel and start a YouTube channel. They don't want people to watch them. So if you want people to watch them, you're gonna to want to make sure that you're staying consistent, so that you know once a week, once every two weeks, multiple times a week, however much time you can dedicate to it. If you want people to watch, you got to be pretty consistent with it. That's one of the main things that I've learned. I started a YouTube channel. What's getting close to uh, I think like four and a half years ago now. And when I first made that channel, like I actually got a decent amount of views early on, but then I just didn't never stayed consistent and messed around a bunch and made every excuse as to why it was okay to do that. But no, I would say stay consistent because if you started the channel already, you've already got the uh, the passion down for it. So just kind of go from there.
1: Yeah, the consistency thing is huge. I think nowadays we're so inundated with all of this content that's being created, whether it's YouTube, Netflix shows that you're allowed to binge watch. I mean, even a lot of successful YouTubers talk about if they take a break, it's very damaging to their, you know, YouTube career and everything, and so I think a huge thing is that consistency. And on, as much as I hate to admit it, YouTube is one of those things where sometimes quantity is better than quality. And uh, I, I think if if you want to mesh the two as best as you can, I think having ideas stacked up uh, is something that. Steven and I talk about a lot, we have a, a, we talked about this, a Trello board, where every time that him and I have a conversation and we come up with an idea, we post on our Trello board this idea and we're ready to record it whenever we're going to be able to record it. So having those on the backlog is really helpful. It takes a lot of pressure off you from trying to come up with a new video idea every week. I mean, Stephen can probably attest to the fact that sometimes he wants to get a video out every week and he gets to the last day to make a video and he's like, shit, what, what am I even going to talk about? <laughs> so...
0: Oh yeah. You definitely wanna make sure you do a little bit of uh planning ahead. For example, this week, as I record this episode, I've not recorded my YouTube video this week and I am I know what it's going to be about, but I haven't done it yet, so I'm just like, when is this gonna get done? So right. trying to get ahead of the game is definitely nice.
1: Yeah, if you're gonna take it seriously, you're gonna have to prioritize, you know. Uh I a lot of people I think this is with anything that you want to take seriously that maybe you want something more out of it than just for it to be A hobby or something you're going to have to make some tough decisions sometimes steven and i have to stay up till two in the morning to finish a creative thing that we're doing and it might not be super fun all the time but if you want to take it seriously you got to make those sacrifices
0: definitely um okay so if my ex asks to stay at my house should i say yes i live in a studio
1: and he won't fit on the couch.
0: (laughs) I think the second part is maybe the most important part because it definitely changes the dynamic if we know for sure he is not going to be sleeping on a couch. So Mm -hmm. if he's also not going to be sleeping on the floor, which is why I feel like you would make that comment, um, what's really important is what do you want relationship-wise with this person? Do you want any type of a relationship because based on you even asking this question it seems like you want a type of a relationship with this person because you respect them enough to think oh maybe I'll consider having them sleep in my place even though I don't have a couch available for them to sleep on thus meaning they're gonna have to sleep in the same bed as me and I used to have a romantic relationship with them so right away it seems like you must have a relatively positive relationship with this person so, by doing this, I think you got to make it extremely clear and be very communicative as to what your desires and expectations are for this, because if that is not ironed out or you are both not on the same page, I can foresee this being very problematic.
1: Yeah, setting boundaries is huge in this, um, and that might even mean not allowing it to happen, because if if... You don't want to cross that line of something happening with an ex. You're trying to move on from them or you don't want to let them back in. I think it's better not to risk it because there's always that temptation. And uh, it's kind of like, (laughs) you know, if I'm trying to eat healthy, I probably shouldn't be hanging out in a Taco Bell parking lot all day. (laughs) Because I put myself in that, that temptation's way if I'm not in a place where I'm super strong willed on that right now um, I probably have gonna have a harder time saying no or setting those boundaries with that person so um, yeah I think I I think making it clear-cut not only for the person having the expectations kind of out on the line for that person but also just for yourself saying what am I gonna be okay with here Um, you know I, I I tend to, especially lately, I've been kind of trying to get away from this mindset of I need to set specific rules and these rules can't be broken and just kind of living a little more free flowing and letting things happen that I think I'll be okay with happening. Um, I think it's just an easier way to live life. But at the same time, you do have to protect yourself. And if you think this is a situation where um, you're not ready to commit to something that might end up happening. If you allow it in, uh, maybe the best decision would not, would be to kind of set that boundary and say, Hey, uh, maybe not. Maybe we, maybe we don't do, have you come over tonight?
0: <laughs> yeah. Agreed. Um, I've got to ask another question in here. Yeah. Um,
1: so this next question, I'm I'm guessing we're going to get a lot of questions about relationships and exes and stuff because that stuff tends to be very um, front of mind. So this next one is, I have an ex, but I still have feelings for her. What do I do? Um, I mean, this is tough because obviously we don't know the specifics around the situation. I think, um, you know, I don't know if your ex... Wants a relationship with you or not. If they don't, if this is a situation where uh, they broke up with you and even though you still have feelings, what I would encourage you is even though you might have those feelings, um, you're going to want to be with somebody who wants to be with you. you. You want that reciprocated love or the reciprocated care, all that stuff. Um, m- maybe this person will come around to that, but you can't force the matter on that. They have to get to it on their own place. So sometimes, Um, the best thing is to kind of let go and, um, whatever happens, happens. I know that some of that is very cliche, but I think uh, the big point in it is, uh, you can't force somebody to feel some way and no matter how much you care about them. I mean, Steven and I have had a bunch of conversations where we're like, how do I love somebody so much and care about somebody so much and it not work out? You know, you'd think that that would be the biggest thing, but you know, you can't, Control other people. That's the bottom line. And so you kind of have to let things be in that case.
0: Yeah. The big takeaway for me in all this is someone who you want to be with is somebody who does want to be with you. And sometimes that does seem very obvious, but it really does make a lot of sense when you break it down because in the end, no matter how much you care about somebody, if they don't care about you back, well, then. Like, how is that going to be an enjoyable experience? If you have to feel like you have to, f- if you feel like you have to fight so hard just for them to say things, and I think that this goes a step further. I think sometimes people end up in these relationships where they like somebody so much that they just think like, you know, the more that I, the more that I push for this, the more that I try for this, like maybe eventually they'll become the person that I want, or they'll, they'll come around, or they'll do this or that. But sometimes the fact the person is never coming around is actually a good indication that that's not the person that you want to be with because, like, you aren't seeing eye-to-eye. Eye. <laughs> and if you're not seeing eye-to-eye, eye, it's just going to be a terrible relationship moving forward. And you'll notice that when you do meet someone who it goes smoothly, you're like, oh, this is actually how it was supposed to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I Yeah, I've heard a lot. I, I've i even had this stuff like this happen where you want somebody so bad that you can kind of – See yourself developing these manipulative behaviors or these toxic behaviors where you're like, um, you know, I need you so bad. And then it kind of gets into this like ultimatum thing. And even if out of that situation, your ex is like, well, I don't want to lose them completely. So I guess I'll just be with them. Or how good is that? How good is the foundation of that relationship? The structure is built on this manipulative. Behavior. It's Dude, tough. that's
0: such a good point because I know people who they've wanted to be with someone so bad, and that person eventually gave in, mm-hmm. and they just talk about like like I can just clearly tell the relationship is so un like horribly unbalanced, and it's like oh sweet, love that uh like like it was that really worth it in the end? No, that's the answer is it's yeah. not it's not worth it in the end a lot of the times.
1: The I'm sure you probably hear this all the time, but there are a lot of fish in the sea and uh that's not to say that there isn't any hope for this person maybe this person just a lot of a lot of this stuff is timing um and so maybe this person just you need to let them go and and maybe they'll come around maybe they won't and then you'll find something else but uh, I think I think there's still hope in in dealing with this kind of a situation the emotions are going to be high they're going to be heavy Uh, I'm a very emotional person so I when I lose somebody that I love and care about, it's really, really hard for me to let go. But it gets better over time. And you just gotta be patient with yourself. And uh, I, I, what works best for me in a lot of those situations is just kind of focusing on myself. Maybe even do some distractions. Uh, you know, I, I go work out, or I'll talk to Steven a lot. You know, have if you have friends that you can hang out with that kind of stuff to get your mind out of that very clouded emotional state you can typically think more logically and with more clarity so
0: do you want to do another relationship question or do you want to go off to because the first one i've written down here is another relationship one do you want to switch it up um
1: yeah let's switch it up a little bit which one do you want to do (laughs) (laughs)
0: let's do the one of my testicles is bigger than the other is that unusual
1: So I can actually speak to this. My left testicle is bigger than my right testicle. So I don't know if that's, uh, if it's unusual. I mean, I've worried about it. To be completely honest, I have kind of a high voice. And I've always wondered if that was because one of my testicles dropped and the other one didn't. (laughs) Because you know those those old singers, they they used to, um, they used to, do surgery on young boys so that their balls wouldn't drop and and so that they would always have their high voice i think it's illegal now but they used to do that it should be illegal (laughs) and so some part of me is like maybe i have a high voice because one of my balls dropped and the other one didn't
0: maybe your parents just never told you that they did this
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah freaking a i'm calling my dad after this
0: yeah you snip my balls man Maybe (laughs) I need to look in the mirror. I never actually thought that hard about this (laughs) before.
1: Wait, you don't need to look in the mirror. You just put your hand down there and feel her.
0: It's like it's... (laughs) (laughs) Like, it was in this moment that Stephen realized.
1: (laughs) (laughs) His balls were not the same size. I mean, I don't think that this should be unusual because women, they have different size breasts sometimes, Right. Like you, you probably hear people hear women say like oh yeah my left my left boob is more droopy and bigger or you know? so i mean this is a possibility i don't think that would be unnatural we're not perfect beings i mean i'm about as close as you can get but oh, oh
0: is that is that what this is that's what this is <laughs> oh, okay that's what this is
1: this is steven's new favorite <laughs> phrase where anytime you tell steven that he has a funny joke he just drills it into the ground so i told steven the other day that uh i thought it was funny when he always says oh that's what this is because i would like say a joke and then i would tell him it's a joke he's like oh that's what that was okay (laughs) it's like a dick move but i told him it was funny and now i hear it all the time even when it doesn't make sense so just get ready for this folks (laughs) oh okay that's what this is that's what this is (laughs) <laughs> um, all right. So how about this one? This one's a – this is definitely for you. How to be a Fortnite pro with 200 ping.
0: Okay, Brandon, can you give me a little background on what 200 ping is?
1: So the, you want your ping to be low because it's, it's all about how your internet connection is, like, communicating with the server. So if mm-hmm. your internet connection is low, you're pretty much – you're getting instant feedback from the server. And so when you click to shoot something, it shoots it right away, rather than if you have high ping, you click and there's a delay. (laughs) So 200 ping would be really bad.
0: Gotcha. Well, if you guys have ever seen me play Fortnite before, which I will Twitch uh, sometimes, Twitch stream with Brandon usually, playing Fortnite, and I'm pretty good. And uh, I don't want to say... That I could be a, a pro but I mean I, I'm pretty close to being a pro I'd say uh I say 60 and lower is a good ping okay so 200 is it sounds pretty bad um I mean <laughs> if you want like a serious answer here probably not I would think 200 ping would I feel like if you're trying to be a pro at something you should probably spend a few more bucks to get something that's going to benefit you and not try to it that's kind of like that's not My- the question, Steven. No, no, no. This the is question like- is how to be a pro
1: with 200 ping. That's not an option to get rid of the 200 ping. Let's hear yeah, your answer I would the say question.
0: get better internet. Michael Jordan wasn't practicing basketball on a nine-foot hoop, all right?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> <Michael> no, Jordan- <laughs> in this scenario, wouldn't it be like a 12-foot hoop because it's harder? <laughs> Michael Jordan not- was
0: not practicing basketball on a 12-foot hoop with a broken backboard, all right? Therefore, you should get better internet. And if you're not, and you want to become a pro with 200 ping, you're gonna to have to work three times harder than everybody else. Arbitrary per- um, amount, I'm saying. Maybe it's four times harder. Maybe it's a thousand times harder. But you have to work a lot harder. And I think in the end, if you just got a better internet, you would, you'd be better off. See, Make I have,
1: a, I have way different advice for this. All right. <laughs> 200 ping is what you need to train at. 200 ping is basically how football NFL football players will do their training in the off season on the beach so that they have to run in sand. It slows them down, it builds the muscles, gets them ready. With 200 ping, you got to learn how to anticipate because your bullet's not going to fire when you want it to fire. So you got to anticipate where they're going to be, fire <laughs> ahead of them and hit them. All right? With that anticipatory instinct all right that's how you build it up that's how you become a pro at fortnite listen to me i've gotten one kill max in a couple games actually i think i've had two kills in a game once so i'm pretty much ninja
0: admittedly brandon has been better than me at fortnite so far but honestly i feel like
1: 200 ping would be better for you because (laughs) (laughs) you would just get luckier i think (laughs) maybe All right, so this next question is uh, kind of out of left field. I did not expect a question like this, but uh, the question is as follows. Any tips for sunburn? I hide from the sun most of the time. And uh, although I should be an expert on sunburn because I am super white, very pale, very fair-skinned, and the sun can be very damaging for me, I actually don't know a lot. So I... Uh, reached out to a good friend of mine. You guys can follow her on Instagram at shiner underscore skin. So it's S H I N E R underscore skin S K I N. Her name is Dominique. We used to be coworkers. She is super knowledgeable about skincare. And uh, I asked her to come in and not only answer this question um, in, the, in regards to preventing sunburn but also what to do uh, to heal from sunburn. But let's start off with this, Dom. Um, what, uh, what are good ways to prevent sunburn?
2: So the best way to prevent sunburn is actually to stay out of the sun. You still want your daily dose of vitamin D, but that only takes about five minutes in the sun and you can be outside in the shade Um, You want to Apply your sunscreen at least 15 minutes before you go out in the sun so it has time to absorb into your skin to actually work and Personally, I make it part of my skincare. So I wake up. I wash my face. I do all my skincare, and it's going to be the last step I do before I apply my makeup. So I know I'm protected at that point.
1: And when it comes to sunscreen, how strong should it be? What kind uh, should you use? Uh, what are your thoughts on that?
2: So you want an SPF of at least thirty. SPF means sun protective factor. And why thirty? Why does it have to be thirty, not fifteen or twenty-five? So. SPF 30 actually blocks 97% of UVB rays that cause sunburn. And then anything over 50 doesn't do much because SPF 50 actually blocks 98% of UVB rays. So there are two types of sunscreen that are on the market. There are mineral and chemical sunscreen. They both absorb UV rays. So mineral is usually better for sensitive skin tones and what it actually does is it provides a physical barrier between your skin and the actual sun rays. While chemical actually absorbs into your skin, it reacts with radiation before it penetrates the skin, absorbs the rays and releases the energy as heat.
1: So one of my challenges has always been like if I go to the beach or something, I'll put it on once before I get in the water and that'll be the only time I apply it. I'm guessing that's not best practice so I just wanted to know how frequent should you be putting on sunscreen?
2: Now after you have your sunscreen on daily a big thing is you have to reapply every two hours more often if you're in the water or you're sweating and a lot of people forget to reapply so that's when sunburn happens and A lot of people I know don't reapply because they have makeup on, so they don't want to disrupt the makeup they already have. There's a great brand, actually, you can find at Sephora called Supergoop, and they provide makeup with sunscreen in it, like translucent powders, SPF 45, or they even have a setting spray, which I believe contains a SPF of 50, so you can just spray that on top of your makeup. I also have a lot of people ask me, well... You know my foundation or my makeup contains sunscreen. Usually the sunscreen and makeup is not an SPF 30 which is the minimum you want and if it's actually higher than 30 a lot of people don't apply makeup the same way so it's either not as thick as every person and it's sheared out so it's not doing the best job it possibly can or different things on your face can affect how well the sunscreen's working, and I doubt you're going to be reapplying that makeup throughout the day every two hours like you should. So another way to protect yourself is to wear protective layers. So hats to cause shade on your face and neck. Sleeves, you would not believe how many people tend to have age spots on their left side because when they're driving, the sun is usually on their left arm. Or um, sunglasses, too. You want to protect your eyes from the sun as much as possible. So the skin around your eyes and lips is thinner than the rest of your skin. So it's more likely to get sunburn. And actually a lot of people neglect these places. So people neglect their ears, their lips, their eyelids, actually. And the chest and neck are actually the first place to show signs of aging so you want to make sure you apply sunscreen there as well and you're always going to be exposed to the sun if you're outside and it's cloudy day there's sun still coming through those clouds and then when you're in the car even if you're in the shade there's still sun there through the windows and a lot of people forget to apply sunscreen even in the winter
1: This is actually really good insight for me because I never even thought about putting sunscreen on in the winter, which I'm sure a lot of people probably relate to. But um, I know we're spending a lot of time on this, but I do also want to know from you what what are some like home remedies for healing from sunburn if you are unsuccessful in blocking it out?
2: So as for home remedies go, I have a couple that I've used in the past. So the first thing you're going to want to do, which is pretty simple, is just up your water intake. So you want to be drinking more water. That's going to actually help speed up the healing time. Um, it's going to hydrate your skin. It's going to allow it to peel. Or even if your skin is blistering, just let it be. Let it do its thing. It will eventually stop itching and cool down and peel on its own. Um, If you do have a blistering sunburn or skin that is peeling, a great way to help with the itching of that is lotion. You're going to want a nice lotion that is good for sensitive skin, preferably fragrance-free, because um, the fragrance can actually sting that raw skin and cause it to itch a little more or burn. And then I'm sure all of you guys know about aloe gel that is that green jelly in the bottles that you see in the same aisle as sunscreen usually. Um, I actually keep mine in my fridge so it's cold whenever I need to use it or I actually put it into ice cube trays and put it in the freezer for a couple hours. Then you have cold ice cubes of aloe that you can rub on your skin. And then you can also actually buy an aloe plant leaf. They have these at more natural stores like Whole Foods, I believe, has them just like with the fruits and stuff and produce, like that. You just buy an actual plant leaf and you cut it in half, and you can scoop out the jelly inside of it with a spoon. So that's more of a natural remedy. And then I have friends that have done this, I personally haven't tried. But they swear by it that you take a lukewarm bath or even a cold one if you can stand laying in the cold water um, with two cups of white vinegar in the bath. So that's going to help if your skin is really stinging. It's going to take the skin, the sting out of that. And then lastly, um, just a cold washcloth. You can run it under cold water or you can get it wet, put it in a plastic bag and put it in your freezer or your fridge for a couple minutes and then just reapply that to the sunburn area um, a couple times a day. And that's actually going to soothe the skin because your skin is going to be giving off a lot of heat, especially if you have a sunburn. And a lot of people don't even notice that they have the sunburn until they're back inside. And their skin is starting to turn red so just take it easy and drink that extra water and hopefully within a few days your skin will be back to normal
1: okay cool well this is probably the closest that this episode is going to get to any sort of expert advice but uh, yeah, thanks so much for stopping by, Dom. Again, if you guys want to follow her on Instagram to uh, read on any of her other skincare tips, she does way more than just sunburn stuff. So definitely give her a follow. Check out some of her posts. It's uh, Her handle again is at shiner underscore skin. That's S-H-I-N-E-R underscore S-K-I-N. And uh, yeah, thanks again. That was awesome.
0: Uh, all right, we're back to, we're back to the relationship questions. All right, if you just found out your friend is cheating on their significant other, do you let them know? I'm assuming you mean do you let their significant other know? And I, I this is a super difficult question. All right, Brandon, what do you think? Because I, I got to think about this a little bit. Because this is actually pretty tough.
1: You gonna pass it to me? Um well here's my thought is as much as that situation is toxic and bad for the person i think sometimes when we're not the person in that relationship it's not our role to take on that action um now this is just this is coming from my place like, I part of me would say, I want to be the hero here and, and save this person from the hurt. But I would advise that you counsel your friend and mm-hmm. encourage
0: them to come clean. And so I, you I can't think do actually, this. I think I agree with you on that one. The more I've thought about it, I kind of think I don't think that you should have to be the person to make that conversation. I think you should really talk to your friend into having to talk like to tell because in the end it's really not your responsibility in that instance to do something. And ultimately you want your friend to grow as a person and actually do it themselves. Like you want to, you want to empower them to be able to say something about it because that is a difficult thing. Like like this, this type of a part of a, a relationship is a very difficult thing. And a lot of people's emotions And feelings are at stake there. So I think I completely agree with you on that.
1: Yeah, I think it just – I kind of take the perspective of, like, a counselor or a therapist. Like, it's not the counselor, the person who's trying to help you find your own way. It's not their responsibility to fix your problems for you or to save the day. It's the responsibility to give you the tools to to do it and to – help you try to decide on your own what's the best and right thing to do. And I think, um, you know, that this might be a situation where maybe you don't wanna be friends with this person anymore because of this behavior. Uh, but if, if you wanna be supportive of them and try to help encourage better behavior, I think that's where it comes in. You just, you talk to them, you, you push them to make the right choices and give them your advice on it. But other than that, it's not your place to um, go make the change for them. You know, another thing too is you're probably gonna lose that friend if if you make the decision for them. And I don't know if you're okay with that, but that's another risk that you'll probably have to face if you take it into your own hands rather than be a support for them and let them make the right choices.
0: Yep, agreed.
1: All right, so um, let's go to another question that we had um, from over this past week. Um, How do you get along with breakups? I'm single after five years, and I'm feeling weird. Don't know if I should be happy or not. It's just a strange situation. I think... I would really like to hear what you have to say about this, because I think that you'd probably have a lot of really good insight on this.
0: Yeah, so this question definitely hits close to home, because I was always somebody who had uh, girlfriends in the past. Um, From like mid-teens to early 20s, I pretty much always had a girlfriend, and I kind of felt like I was one of those people who was dependent on having a girlfriend for my own happiness, and it was a really just important thing, kind of just like a staple of my life. And then I went through a bad breakup, and it was one of those things where I pretty much realized that I was very immature in a, sing- in a certain part of me, uh, where I wasn't really ready to like get married or anything. I wasn't really ready for like that next chapter of life. I was kind of still stuck in this limbo of what should I be focusing on? Who do I want to be? in my life who am i really because i never really found myself as a single person so i spent a long time being single uh not five years but over three years and i didn't date barely at all for three years and i did let's, let's put it this way in the last almost five years i've only had a girlfriend for maybe like six months out of it and it's been a good growth experience for me because I've pretty much transformed my equilibrium from, from like what my expectations are. I think it's really important to figure out who you are so that like you have a frame of reference for when you're in a relationship. So like you know, well, what things are important to you when it's just you that matters? And for me, it's well, content creation, working out, having a job I find fulfillment in, My family, my friends, like I pretty much established all those things. Whereas I feel like when I was in relationships before, I didn't really have that thing that I built everything around. Like I I didn't know um, when she was out of town, I didn't know like, okay, well what is my list of things that matter the most to me? And it's weird because you think you know yourself so well, but when you spend so much time with like a significant other, you really do kind of lose touch, especially when you're younger of like, well, what actually, what does matter to me? I don't even know anymore. Like, am I just doing these things because she told me to do them? And that's what I find so liberating about being a single person, especially when you've been in relationships before and you know what it's like to do a lot of things because your significant other wants you to do them. So feeling weird, I think, is normal because I think from an outsider's perspective, it's easy to point fingers at someone and say like, wow, they've been single for a long time and they're this age. You know, shouldn't they be with someone? And guys, look around. It's not like the best people are the ones in relationships. It's completely, It's some people completely sell themselves short. Uh, there's people who are in horribly destructive relationships. Like being in a relationship in itself is not a better thing. It's being in a good relationship. So, Feeling weird, I think, is a lot of times like an outside feeling where people on the outside might make you feel weird, but don't feel weird. Ultimately, when you feel like you you want to date someone, do it. Don't hold back from it. Also, don't do it until you're ready to date someone. Like, I feel like I needed some space before I was even going to be ready to date someone. You owe the person you're going to be with that space so you can give yourself to that person. But yeah, don't, I don't know don't feel weird. And if you should be happy, yeah, you should always try and be happy as long as um, you're alive because life is short.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I One thing that I really, really like that you said was um, it's not just about being in a relationship. I mean, a lot of us really want love and want that partnership and companionship. I mean, a big part of my self-discovery has been I had romanticized relationships and I had, I'd put on a pedestal what a relationship was wanting that one person to have this journey with and this adventure with. And so any person would get me there and I wasn't paying attention to, Hey, is it really just about having a relationship or is it about finding a person who isn't just like a romantic partner, but also, um, a person that's like fills other boxes, like is, is a really good friend of mine. And I can talk to about other stuff. I, a person that challenges me because the, that, that first period of getting, being attracted to someone, you feel that euphoria, that spark, that's great and all, but that's always going to fade away when you spend all the all your time with somebody, or, you know, you get into the later years of your relationship. I mean, you'll talk to people who have been married for Decades, and they're going to tell you it it hasn't been all roses all the time. It's not like it starts out. Um, So that's important to to keep in mind. One of the things that this question made me think about, don't know if I should be happy or not, um, I think about a situation where maybe in your last relationship something went wrong or you did something wrong, and so you feel like you don't deserve it a lot of people throw this phrase around. I don't deserve to be happy. I don't deserve a person. And uh, it gets under my skin because I I think if if you put yourself in a mindset of I don't deserve something, it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're just going to create this life where you continuously don't deserve things. And if you push yourself to be the person that deserves things, I mean, you're you're never going to be perfect. you have we have the, this ideal self, this person that we really, really want to be and really want to be for other people. but you have to be okay with not always getting there and not always being there. And so I think a big part of life and heartache and stuff is the ability to move on. Even if you're the one that fucked up, you have to be able to move on. And pursue what form of happiness will be right for you. If, if if you're right out of a breakup, give yourself time to heal. Don't rush into another relationship just to to hide the pain. Don't go out drinking every night to escape it. You know, don't do what I do, which is eat a bunch of Taco Bell and. <laughs> 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 Play video games all the time. Like we have a lot of these vices that we escape in, but that hurt is really good for you. It's healing. It means that you cared about something, and and if you shut that off, you're never going to learn from it. That stuff can be really good, even though it's hard. It's really good for you to grow from. And uh, so you got to let that stuff in. Give yourself time. Uh, you can do some things that distract you, like I was talking about earlier. You know, going out with friends. Uh, Try to make your distractions healthy, you know, working out, uh, maybe watching movies, you know, doing things that you like to do, but that don't make your – because you don't want to be in this, like, place of isolation or this place of always thinking about that person and stuff. I don't think that's healthy for you. You want to let yourself try to live life outside of whatever that relationship was. But once you get past that first really, really hard phase, I think it is okay to let yourself move on and let yourself – Say I'm ready to go on to whatever portion of life will be my next phase, my next step. Because, um, like Stephen said, you you only have one life, so you might as well pursue uh, happiness with with a vigor. So,
0: hundred percent. Which actually, I think that kind of segues into this next question, which is how do you get past hard times slash situations? Um, I'll I'll speak to this a little bit. Um, I think, first off, getting past hard times and situations is to, like, actually accept that it's okay to feel sad about something or to be hurt by something. Like, I think one of the first things to do is just, like, accept whatever emotion that you actually feel and not try to be this, like, tough person. Like, like, nope, I'm not going to let anything faze me. I'm just going to, like, keep trucking along. I think... It's okay to say that you don't want things to phase you, but it is important to address the actual feeling that you feel first before you then decide, like, okay, now I'm going to, like, push past it. So I think addressing the feeling is extremely important to do first. Then for me, as I've always liked to do, you're going to have a lot of energy that's going to be channeled into feeling like shit about something. And I'll give this... Uh, I'll give you an example to illustrate something that I would do whenever I have got a hard time or a situation going on. When I was nineteen years old, I went through a really like tough time. Uh, and I, I didn't like I, I was like very like emotional and I, I didn't know like, what I was doing with my life and I felt very very frustrated. But I had all this energy that was all negative. And I remember thinking, Man, if only I could take this energy that I feel right now. Like I feel so emotional and all this energy Uh, If only if I could, like, channel this energy, like, put it somewhere else. And I had this, like, thought in my head, like, oh, I could could actually, like, spend time on something that I normally feel terrible. I could, like, use that time to just do something else. So when I would normally just be sad for an hour, I took that time and I was like, I'm going to just, like, write for an hour. So the first thing that I, like, was one of the first coping mechanisms I ever found was I legitimately started just like writing poems about what was going on, like how I was feeling at the time. And it felt kind of like out of character because, you know, I never had like sat down before and tried to channel it. I would just kind of like keep it up here. Then I started doing that and sure, I still didn't feel great while I was doing it, but I felt like kind of empowered. I was like, whoa, I'm actually like leaving something behind. And then like, you know, years from now, I'll look back on this and be like, wow, this is pretty cool. Like I have all this, like I can remember exactly how I was feeling and stuff. And I wrote all this stuff down and it was sort of like an epiphany moment of, oh, whenever I feel bad about something, I should take the energy and channel it into something else. When I went through another tough time, I remembered how much better I felt when I started writing. So then I, I, not only did I write that time, but I also was like, started working out a lot more because I figured if I could take the energy and channel it into working out, it would be like the one thing that the future of me would thank myself for. And it is, honestly, because, you know, and this is not to throw Brandon like under the bus on the thing. But, you know, you mentioned like how Taco Bell is your thing. Like, you're, you know, sometimes you're like, oh I'm just going to eat Taco Bell. Like for me, I'll just like be immobile and like not want to do anything. Mm-hmm. But I got I like pushed myself and I was like, I'm going to go to the gym now and I'm going to try to use this time. And it, it's nice because I, I have thought like thanked myself for it in the future. And I don't know that that's how I handle things. I just try to channel it into something else and realize that at some point, like this will pass and things will get better. Because if you look at the history of your life, it like, it's it ebbs and flows. It's usually bad time, good time, bad time, good time. And like, I don't know, you just get used to it after a while. Yeah.
1: Um, so for my advice on this, uh, I want to start at like the basic aspect of it and then see if I can even expand on it more. Um, first off, one of the things Steven and I talk about, and this is why it's so important to have self-awareness is knowing where your equilibrium is. You know, Steven and I have conversations where maybe I'll go three days with getting like four hours of sleep. I won't work out in those three days. I'll eat fast food. Um, You know, I'll, I'll, I won't drink a lot of water. I won't work on any creative projects. I won't do the the priorities that I need to get done, like schoolwork and all this stuff. And then I'm just, you know, I'll get done with that three days and I'm just like, God, I feel like such crap. You know what? what what's going on with me? What's what's wrong? And a lot of <laughs> a lot of those answers are right there for you. If you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not doing the things that really help you reach this point of equilibrium, this point of balance, um, it's going to be easier to to fall prey to these hard times in these situations and the reason I bring that up is because a lot of times when you go through difficult stuff you go through adversity you're going to be tempted to not to not do the things that that got you to the point where you're at you know a lot of part a lot of um, like depression, a lot of times is a very paralyzing mental illness. You you, you don't want to go, you don't want to do anything. You just want to sit ar- around and, and just kind of sulk in that sadness. Uh, it's not even that you want to, it's just, you have this overwhelming feeling of paralysis. And I think th- those might be the hardest times to do it. But un- if you understand your equilibrium, the things that got you to this place of, Oh, when I, I did this stuff, As a coping mechanism, just for small things, I should probably try to do this stuff even when I'm going through hard times, probably even more so, you know, if working out is something that gets you going, don't stop when you're going through a hard time, you know, don't stop when you're hit with adversity, keep doing that because that's something that you've built up a, um, as part of your everyday thing, it's part of who you are, it's part of, uh, what, what, uh, fills you with good chemicals in your body, endorphins and all that good stuff. Uh, so I, I would really encourage paying attention to those essentials those those basic foundation marking things um as far as uh you know the bigger picture i I do think a big thing is not invalidating your feelings it's okay like we've talked about it's okay to hurt it's okay to feel like shit sometimes life is tough sometimes it, it, not everything is roses and I mean this is even coming from a place where you know I, I've grown up in a place of privilege, you know, and, and so my life is, if you were to take it on a scale of whose life was harder and whose life was easier, mine probably looks a lot easier than a lot of people. Everybody's issues are individualized. So what's hard to me might not be hard to another person, but the point in this is don't invalidate yourself. Don't, don't say, Oh, I shouldn't have to deal with, I I don't want to have to uh, be hurt for this. I, I shouldn't be hurt for for this. You know, I think you should try to push yourself to to be stronger. But resilience to me isn't the um, the blocking off of pain or adversity. It's the the willingness to take on that stuff, to take on those obstacles, to take on that adversity, and heal from it and grow stronger. You know, like a phoenix rising from the ashes and into something even more beautiful. And so I think if you shut off that aspect of yourself, if you, if you close yourself off to those hard times and situations, you're closing yourself off to blossoming into something even more than you ever were. So that's what I have to say about that. Cool. All right. So. Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. I was waiting for a while there. Jeez. Wow. um Dude, you know right. i always
0: say in my head i always say wow whenever you say something i'm like wow what a comment
1: <laughs> all <laughs> right uh let's do uh, a chicago one i'm not gonna have very good advice on this but i am gonna be moving to chicago so um i want to move to chicago in september is fifteen hundred dollars enough for my first month while i get a job
0: steve so, what do you have to say? Okay, so in this situation, I imagine that fifteen hundred dollars needs to cover rent, food. So, that the first part is the big question. If it has to cover rent, this becomes a million times more difficult. If you can like stay with someone for that first month, uh, it, then this is a lot more practical. But Fifteen hundred dollars. So when I first moved to Chicago, I had a general rule where I try not to spend more than thirty dollars in a day, and I would justify spending more than thirty dollars if the prior day I spent less than thirty dollars. So pretty much, let's say I I didn't spend any money in a day. Then I was like, okay, the next day I could spend sixty dollars. And that was pretty much what my general like rule was. Um, So I could live off that without too much problem, which would be what is that, nine hundred dollars. But uh, then you'd also have to do your rent, too. Now, I did go out to eat a lot with that. Well, kind of. Yeah, but I mean, like, cheap going out to eat. Um, I think that this would be manageable for one month. But it is only manageable if you have a pretty affordable place to live and you did not bring a car. If you did bring a car, then don't use it for that month. Or very use it very minimally because I think it might actually be a little bit cheaper to just spend a hundred dollars on a train pass slash bus pass and then use that to get along uh, get around places. That's what I would recommend doing. I'd probably get the 30 day pass so you can take all the bus and all the trains, not use your car, definitely not get any place expensive rent wise. Try to just stay on someone's couch if you know someone, or try to like bum around, and do not spend more than like ten bucks if you ever go out to eat. And then I'd say, yes, you could do this, especially if it's only for about a month. But also have a little bit of a buffer because you think it's going to take one month to get a job, but it could take longer because I don't know enough about what kind of job you're trying to get. And though I say it is a good job market, I'd still be careful.
1: Yeah, I I think that part is the part that scares me the most, not having that security of, possible income afterwards and maybe fifteen hundred dollars can get you through one month but if you don't have something to back you up that one month actually could be setting you back and put you on the streets after that so (laughs) I think uh, I would encourage maybe having more of a plan I mean I get it like sometimes we just want to change we want to push ourselves into an uncomfortable position and I think sometimes that ends up working for the better but I also don't want to see you homeless. So yes. <laughs> try to yeah, plan the big, that.
0: The big point on this is I get it that people just want to like move away and like start a new life because I would be hypocritical if I acted like I, th- I thought that was dumb considering I've done a variation of that like four times, I think. Uh, but actually be somewhat calculated with it because mm-hmm. don't just like move there out of nowhere unless you. it's the only option. If you can do any bit of planning ahead – you will be way less stressed out, and you'll be able to enjoy yourself a lot more. Thus, making it easier, I think, to get a job when you're not so stressed out in yeah. the process. Well, but and you know.
1: in a place like Chicago, where the cost of living is probably a lot higher than a lot of places, would yeah. be even harder.
0: Yep. Uh, I'm gonna do. Pff, yeah, let's do that question. question. Yep.
1: Okay, cool. I, I read the last question, so it's your turn.
0: Aha. Ah. Okay. Uh, what do you do when you don't have the same views as the person you're dating? Like, say they're in denial and don't believe in ghosts.
1: <laughs> in denial? That's interesting. <laughs>
0: <laughs> wait, wait, wait. So saying that they're in denial is already, like, you just assuming that ghosts are real yeah, in we, this situation.
1: <laughs> we already know that Steph's not working with a lot of logic.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Classic. So another ghost question. <laughs> uh, okay, Brandon, you want to speak to this one first? Sure. Um, well,
1: I, I mean, I guess this this one really depends on what your ultimate goals are with this person. Because I think some, some people date casually. If you're just having fun with this person, I don't think um, you always have to have the same views. Now, if you're looking for maybe a partner to like spend your life with and stuff, maybe that stuff becomes more of a concern and you're starting to think, you know, not that you should always be thinking every single person, how are we going to raise our kids? <laughs> you know, but I mean, that stuff ends up mattering if that's the life that you're going to want with that person if that's the life they, they're going to want with you. You know, if you, if you have a household where there is this dissension, I mean, maybe that might be good in, in, in times of challenging one each other and pushing each other, but if you are coming from a place that are on two polar opposites from each other, I think that would be very confusing for a household of, of children who maybe are starting to, like, develop ideas when they get to that age and stuff. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think it really depends on your goals uh, within the relationship itself. Um, and as far as the ghosts thing, I would say if you are the person in the relationship that believes in ghosts, uh, maybe you should look in the mirror about the whole <laughs> denial thing.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, okay. So I like this a lot because this is something that I, I, I think about this a lot. If ever I go on a date with someone, but this is like one of the first things I think about is like, what are the, what is like the main couple of things that I will immediately be like, this is no way my future wife. Like, let's say, and I, it, it, it's a weird mentality to have. Uh, that goes under the the idea of a lot of times you'll go on a date with someone they are like, oh, you know, I'm not looking for anything serious. Here's the thing. I never believed that because deep down, if anyone could just meet the most amazing person ever, you're probably not going to be like, you know, I'm sorry. I know you seem incredible. I would love to marry you, but, like, I'm just not looking for this at this time. Like, I feel like if that person what? was that no, amazing. Shut
1: the fuck up. What you... <laughs> so then why aren't we with anybody? <laughs> I think I'm pretty cool. No, no, I think I'm a pretty good guy. Why am I not married? We haven't. Why are you not married?
0: (laughs) We haven't met the right person. That's it. That's it.
1: Yeah, but if you're if you're saying your argument is that someone if they meet somebody incredible they're gonna want to be with them they're not serious about not being serious. But (laughs) if if we look at ourselves as a couple catches, all right, then why haven't those people wanted to stick with us? What are you fucking
0: talking about? just because that we think this doesn't mean that they think this. That's what I'm saying here. Like,
1: <laughs> Okay, but, so then your logic doesn't work here.
0: <laughs> Dude, my logic definitely does work here. Just think about it a little more. But on the bigger point of the question, I think it, it depends on like the, what are the specific things. like The varying degree of importance of it kind of means like if you're going to be able to tolerate it in the long run. So when you're with someone... If you can think of like the big picture cuz I mean there's been girls that I've gone out with before and in full transparency I liked like, a lot of things about them but there was like one huge fundamental thing that we were not going to agree on. One, you can never assume that that's ever going to change. Two,
1: right, don't go it, into a relationship yeah, thinking this thing is going to change. It's
0: not going to change. And if it does change that'll be on that's them. You're not going to be the person to change
1: them. They're they're going to come up to that.
0: Exactly. So what I like to do is I like to try to... I know a lot of people aren't as good at this. Like, this is definitely something that a lot of people, I think, struggle with, is trying to think of, like, the big picture on something. But if you can... If if you try to imagine 20 years from now, like, let's say you have, like, kids with that person, and you try to imagine, like, I want to raise them Catholic. I want to raise them with no religion. Like, if you can imagine that and you can foresee, like, ugh, actually, maybe that would be pretty difficult to deal with. Like, there's a good chance, yeah, that... Yeah, that would be pretty difficult to deal with if you're already thinking that in the moment so sometimes i think you have to trust your gut a little bit that some of those things they're actually super important because it's not just it's not just a religious thing like there's a whole like bunch of layers underneath that of what that could mean it's like that person sees the world this way
1: Mm -hmm.
0: meaning if you don't see the world in that way at all this is going to be problematic in the future like if you don't value things as I said, like the most important thing in a relationship is communication. And if you and that also goes for within the communication, what does each person actually value? Can you can you actually understand what it is that that person values? Like if somebody can't understand that there's going to be times that I'm going to be focused on me doing podcasting and stuff and I'm not going to have time to go out to eat with their friends or like maybe that's not what I want to do in that moment if they don't understand where I'm coming from and they don't think it's significant, that's going to be a huge problem. <laughs> so yeah. I just, I think that's the big key to it all.
1: In, in full disclosure, I've had a relationship like this where it was an incredible woman. I We kind of had a, a, a more serious connection early on in our relationship. It kind of faded away. It would come back. And and then we'd always kind of be battled with this question of, do we just do this? Do we just try to make it work? And I honestly just, I set that boundary for this person and as much as I wanted to, as much as I was attracted to this person and enjoyed their presence, um, sorry, and enjoyed their presence and their company, I, I saw the, I saw their worldview and how it didn't match with mine and how, it just wasn't going to work long term. Like we were going to want different things out of life. We were going to want to teach our, our children different things. If we ended up having children, like a lot of this stuff, I tried to be logical about and say, you know, this person's a cool person, but maybe they're not going to be my like partner in crime. You know what I mean? Um, So I do think that you have to be uh, kind of have clarity over that because a lot of us can get swept up in that emotion of I really love this person I I really you know I I, they're hot they're I have that spark with them but again that's not all that matters and I think there's also uh, if you're with someone long enough there's going to be growing together there's going to be growing apart and you want to try to do your best to limit. Uh, the instances in which you grow apart from one another. But if you have completely different worldviews, whether it's religion or, I mean, any number of things, just how you see the world, how you, what you think is important, what your values are, um, the 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 trajectory that you both are going to go on is probably going to be uh, a different route and you, you could end up setting yourself up for more hurt down the road. Um, but yeah, those are just my thoughts on it. Uh, Um, I think
0: who's reading the next one? Is it you?
1: uh, Yeah, I'm reading the next one.
0: Damn, I can't even keep track anymore. (laughs)
1: Uh, Okay. Uh, Let's see here.
0: How to make friends when moving to a
1: new city, Chicago in particular.
0: Brandon, you're going to need this advice. You should listen to what I have to say about this. All right, let's (laughs) go. How
1: how do you make friends?
0: You're not coming here and hanging out with just me, all right? You got to make some other friends, so I'm going to be like, yo. I have CODA. (laughs) (laughs) Like, yo, dude, I'm tired of hanging out with you. Go make some new friends. So, making some new friends in a new city. So, I've had to do this a bunch of times. I think I've lived in, like, eight different cities. And, uh, first thing is drop your, your, uh, sense of, like, if you think that you're cool or you think that, like, you're not going to have to work towards making friends, I'll tell you right now, you're wrong. Because I definitely thought that I was going to be this awesome person at making friends because in high school... The one thing I, I had a lot of was quantity of friends. Like I never had to worry about like sitting alone at the lunch table or something. Like I never had to worry about that. And when I moved to Tennessee, I just remember that like nobody got what I was about. I was like, yo, guys, what's up? And people were like, dude, this guy sucks. <laughs> <laughs> this guy really sucks. <laughs> they thought I was just being a dick. They didn't get my sense of humor at all. And I was like, oh, man. Uh, it's what I had realized is you have to, as much as people tell you just to be yourself, that's true. You want to be yourself, but you also want to be like aware of the fact that you might have to be somewhat malleable in a situation where if people- If people are doing drugs, just do it with them one time. I knew it. I knew this is where you're going to go with this shit. (laughs)
1: Listen to peer pressure, kids. That's the way that you get
0: friends. (laughs) I wonder- (laughs) wonder are people ever going to, like, take the clips that we say and just, like, in, in isolated instances of us doing the show, I'm just like, great. Now someone has a clip of me saying this. We
1: have an entire <laughs> episode where we give legitimate advice, but they take the one clip of us fucking around and they're like, wow, these guys are great influences on society.
0: <laughs> I thought these guys were going to be a couple of cool guys and they said they're saying some bullshit. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I I think this is an interesting question because Stephen and I are definitely both extroverted people, so it it probably does come easier to us to make friends, even if some people just can't stand us, but we're (laughs) we're outgoing people, so it's probably easier for us, if you put us in a social circumstance, to uh, at least attempt making friends, Um, but when you're an adult and you get into the real life, it's not like school where you have all these extracurricular activities to meet people at and you're always with new people and new classes and stuff like you kind of have to seek that out a little bit you have to maybe be willing to to join some clubs or uh you know the, the internet's really good for this too i mean us doing the podcast we've met some cool people um yeah just we from have. this so
0: and along those lines to give you an idea i started playing ping pong <laughs> and i met a lot of my friends from playing ping pong. Okay, It's Chicago in particular, though. Obviously, I had to figure this out. And moving to Chicago... And the I'm weird thing is, Steven
1: doesn't have any friends in Chicago,
0: so... <laughs> so, the real thing is, guys, you see me do a lot of live streams just out of my apartment. I'm always in my apartment, so... You can see I don't have a lot of friends, so maybe I'm not the right guy <laughs> to ask this. <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I do have friends. I do have friends. At least I tell myself I have friends. But, uh... In Chicago in particular, I think it's important to, like, get out there, do things. uh, It's a hopping city, so there are opportunities. Enjoy the fresh air. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, there's so many actual opportunities in Chicago, to the point where I can actually feel like people end up doing nothing because they almost become overwhelmed with so many possibilities. They're just like, what do I do? Uh, Just do any of them. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. As long as it's legal or you're probably not going to go to jail, like, Give it a shot. And I highly, highly recommend that if there's someone that you meet and they invite you to, like, go to a bar crawl or they invite you to do something that maybe you're not the biggest fan of, just try doing it first. Because sometimes you end up actually meeting other people in those hangouts. And as I always say, the more, like, random stuff that you do, the higher probability that you're actually going to, meet someone that you want to spend more time with or that like you're going to find something that you like doing it's when you don't ever put yourself out there that you just end up stuck in the same rut all the time Mm
1: -hmm. all right so we got this last one here last uh last advice question if i apply to be a side dude or a side chick should i hope to ever get a promotion or strictly stay in the position i'm applying for let's hear it steven
0: I only kind of get this question. <laughs> this question throws me off a little bit. So pretty much if this person is not taking you serious in terms of the romantic sense, they're kind of you're kind of just like the emotional support or like the hookup buddy pretty much.
1: I would say yeah, but probably you want something just the more? hookup. If, if you're a side dude or a side chick, you're probably just the hookup, not really an emotional support. I mean maybe you could, and but I think in most cases that that uh, role is for physical <laughs>
0: Um, <laughs> fulfillment. Uh, I mean, I feel like in this situation, be self aware of like what your place is, and if you don't like how it is, speak up, say something, and see how they react. And if not, then just like don't do this. <laughs> <laughs> The
1: best advice of the day on the last one. I appreciate it. Um, If you know that you're going to want a promotion before you agree or apply to be the side dude or side chick, I would say you probably shouldn't go into this. Um, If you want something more and you know you're going to want something more, that's what you should try to strive for from the get-go because – I think you just set yourself up for hurt. Now, if you're okay with taking that risk and um, maybe even feeling the rejection, then I guess more power to you. But I would say in in, in most cases like this, it's not like the movie Friends with Benefits or um, – what's that movie with – just in inter- no strings attached or something i think most of the time it ends ugly if you end up wanting some something more and i would even say if you are you didn't know that you wanted more but then you are in that relationship um i do think maybe you express that but um it, it understand that there is a real possibility that that person still only wants you for what you guys originally had that relationship as and uh so you might need to set that boundary for yourself of, well, you know, I'm no longer comfortable giving that to you because now I want more, um, as hard as that may be. Is, is there anything else you want to talk about before we send it off?
0: So final thoughts? Final no, thoughts. final thought. Well, actually, uh, I had a lot of fun doing this episode of the podcast. Yeah. Steven says we we're going to do it once one. a
1: week. So from now on, our podcast is going to be <laughs> advice episodes. We're never going to come up with our own topics. <laughs>
0: Everything must advice
1: <laughs> everything must advice is that the title of this one?
0: I think that's all I got well I think I think we can we can we can go away now. <laughs> all right
1: sounds good. Um, well, thank you guys all for sending in your your questions and uh, comments and for those of you on the live stream that participated this was i I really enjoyed this being able to give our thoughts and opinions again. We made that joke in the beginning about how you need to listen to us, but f- for real. We are not saying that we're an authority on any of this stuff. We just um, think sometimes it's good to have a third perspective on things. Maybe think of things a little differently. Or maybe we articulated something you might have always been thinking, but you never really verbalized it or could you know fill the gaps. So um, I really enjoyed this episode. If you have any other thoughts, comments, or questions, uh, our email is always open, emgpod at gmail.com. Or you can call and leave us a voicemail. Five one three four two seven EMG five. Again, that's five one three four two seven EMG five. Or as always, if you want to hit us up on Instagram, DM us, or we always ask you guys, um, you know, for questions or comments before we do the next episode. You can follow me at B and Music. Follow Stephen at Stephen Russell B. Or follow the podcast at EMG Pod. Uh, other than that, you guys have a good one. Take it easy. I'm holding on.